kind of like it. The Browns not clutch. So we're going away from James Brown today because it's NFL draft. No, 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 no. We have to play NFL music. It's all NFL all day long. Two hours away from the mayor of Maple Valley. You know, going into the VMAC. We start our coverage at one o'clock from the VMAC with Ian Furness from one to three. Tony will join him for the final hour. Softy, Hugh, Coach Mike Holmgren, Tony Softly from three to seven. Myself, uh, Chuck, Hugh, and Tony from uh, seven to nine o'clock. And at nine o five, when we sign off, Hugh Millen will have his fifth peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Nice. What would uh, what would be on on the big uh, the big speakers of the puck house if you walked in? Name a couple bands we might hear. Uh, Just well, bands you like that you might have on. Uh, it's a, there's a lot of uh, 80s, 90s rap, yeah, and then okay. I would say Pearl Jam. And and then uh, you'd have Dave Matthews' band, Dave Matthews blaring through the. Th- I might have the drive-by truckers or okay. the Black Crows or maybe the Bottle Rockets. You walk into like Curtis Crabtree's house. This is the music that's playing. Turn it back up. This is what you hear on the yeah. stereo. Yeah, this is what he does. This is how he gets fired up. That's right. Curtis Crabtree, RC Unks reporter, all around great guy. Yes, sir. Man, I love more than anything. He doesn't find me funny, but that's okay. He joins us on the Beacon Plumbing Hotline. Happy draft day, sir. You too, guys. What's going on? <laughs> you couldn't sound less excited to be on with us. I mean... Which can I don't you, blame you. I wouldn't be either. Can you just pretend one time that you're excited to be on the show with us? Well, I I, I, I was thinking in my head there as you were giving that lead in of saying hi to Gaff and not to you after you said, here's Curtis Curtis. Hi, Gaff. How's it going? That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, let me ask you something. I'm, we're all uh, sitting on the edge of our seat looking at Pete Carroll's draft clues, which, which and I want to ask an NFL expert. Because the last one was a, a pretty funny video of a monkey stealing a hubcap. And I'm not making this up. It's a monkey stealing a hubcap. And I'm wondering, because monkeys are actually really smart animals, and they're somewhat fearless if, if you hit the right one and you can teach them things. Is there a rule within the NFL that prohibits you from drafting an actual monkey to play linebacker for you or to play guard or to put whatever you think you could teach him? <laughs> I almost got through without laughing, Buck. <laughs> Is there a rule, Curtis, prohibits you from selecting an animal? I'm not aware of one. Wouldn't that be awesome, then, if they did it? If, if Pete and John actually like, we are taking an animal with the 18th pick, and you can't stop us, Roger Goodell, that would be a hell of a day. Oh, jeez. He can't even oh, respond. He God. won't even respond. Buck's looking at, or Curtis is looking at his watch going, i got other things I got to do. All right, do. Curtis, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you later. No. Um, no, I don't think you can draft a, an animal, Curtis. Um, well, the biggest storyline today is going to be Earl Thomas. And and whether or not he gets moved, I guess it could go over to tomorrow as well. But the um, what, what's your hunch? You've been around this team long enough to kind of get a feel and vibe for what they may do. Uh, Earl Thomas, at the end of the day, and they wrap up the draft here tonight, you know, 9 o'clock. Is he still on the team? I think he's still on the team, yeah. I just don't think they're going to get the offer that they would need to truly consider sending him out at this point in time, and particularly with, with the fact that they've got Supposedly, as John Schneider has said, some assurance from his agents that Earl doesn't intend to hold out and for training camp or anything like that. I, ju- I just don't know if the the stakes are going to raise to such a point where they feel like they've got to do that. But, you know, maybe somebody comes in with a last-minute offer that they, they can't refuse and something happens. I just At this point in time, I, I kind of lean towards nothing nothing changing tonight on that front. In, in your mind, what does that last-minute offer look like? Because we obviously are getting toward the last minute. If someone was going to make a home run offer and say, we really want Earl Thomas and we think we can make him happy here and we'll give him a long-term deal, what does it look like in your mind, the kind of offer that a team might make to pry him away? Uh, 
two two high draft picks of some kind, whether it's a first and third, a couple seconds, something. Yeah, I don't know, something in the something in that sort of vein, um, where they can use those picks for 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 replenishing the roster as they they reset it here a little bit this, this off season and moving forward. But um, whether they get that or not, it's tough to say. And you know, again, at this point in the off season as well, you have teams that have already committed you know, a large portion of their salary caps to certain players. And so there's not so, – some teams, unless they do some gymnastics with the salary cap, aren't going to have the space to, to add that sort of contract to their roster right now either. So, I, I mean, it's not like it's the, the, the easy pull-off, but if a team really wanted to do so, they, they could find a way to get a hold of him. Do we lose you, lose you there, Curtis? Peak their oh, interest. What's that? Sorry, you're you're kind of he's cutting in and out. Sounds like the phone line's bad. You're kind of cutting in and out, so I don't know if it, if that's on our end or on your end. But uh, you're you're. I don't know. I, I didn't move, so okay. All right. Yeah, I think I'm you're trying. I think you're trying to get out of talking to us some more, and you're yeah. like you're you're just you're clicking things <laughs> we, and making got another. We have so many more hard hitting questions uh, to ask you. Do you think the relationship? It's hard because Earl doesn't. I mean, when he talks, it's it's always fun. We we play around with what he says in in post game, you know, uh, press conferences and things like that. Has it soured to the point where a new start for both parties would be wise? I don't know. Um, you know, I you look at the the little incident uh, incident, however you wanted to find it, um, the little thing with Bobby Wagner last year where he said that you know Bobby probably shouldn't have been playing in the Rams game because of uh, the injury that he had, and Bobby popping off at him back on Twitter telling him to keep his name out of his mouth and all those sort of things. How much does that sort of impact things? Or then you have Earl going over to the Cowboys locker room saying, come get me. I mean, there, there's, there, I don't discount that those, those things had some sort of effect on how they entered this off season. Now they certainly could have moved past it for whatever reason you want to ascribe to it. But um, I don't know. I, I don't know how much of an issue it really play, it plays because ultimately whenever uh, whenever kickoff comes on a Sunday in the fall, Earl is cranked up to about 120 and is ready to go. So I, I don't think you ever have to question that on, from Earl Thomas, and I think that's you know one thing that that they have going for him in that regard. I'm still of the belief too that that let's just say we get through this draft and Earl Thomas is still a Seahawk, he's not going to hold out. I think his competitive fires w- will dictate that he's there. Uh, I th- I think he's at a point in his career. We're holding out actually might be more detrimental. I understand guys want the, want to max their their deal, Curtis, but to him it's like, look, man, I'll play this last year and then I'll still get because athletes are wired that way. I'm not going to get hurt. I'm not going to have a bad year. I'm going to have a great year, and when I'm done, I'm really going to be able to write my own ticket, go wherever I want, and make max money. Yeah, as long as the world doesn't get hurt this year, that that'll be the case regardless. But. You know, you can't help but look at the fact that two of his teammates probably had their careers end due to injury mm-hmm. last season, and you have to worry about going into the final year of your contract without that future guarantee at this point. You know, there's there's some risk to doing that on his front as well and not, you know, not having that sort of locked up at this point. So, um, you know, I think there is obviously the incentive for him to do so, but, you know, if he was to hold out, it costs him, you know, whatever that figure is of money every day he's not there throughout training camp and, um, you know, then ultimately he would miss game checks if he was to hold that during the regular season too. Uh, so I, I just don't know how worthwhile it would ultimately end up being um, if, you know, because you have John Schneider saying that, you know, the total different with Earl because he's heading into his third contract and 
um, all of those sort of things that play into it. So, you know, it's tough to say how it'll play out, but certainly the fact that Earl is so, so committed to being on the field on Sundays, um, will go a long way towards them figuring out the right avenue that they're going to take with it as well. My personal favorite here at the radio station, Curtis Crabtree, on with us on the Beacon Plumbing Hotline, uh, covering the draft for us at uh, sportsradiokjr.com. You can follow Curtis on Twitter, at Curtis underscore Crabtree. All right, you, in your opinion, you give me the list of priorities for the Seahawks as they enter uh, the, uh, the draft starting tonight and this weekend. Uh, I think probably defensive end, um, running back, you know, depth at linebacker and offensive line, and, you know, some added help in the secondary would probably be the the stuff that comes to the the forefront most for me. You could certainly see them add to wide receiver and tight end as well. I mean, they have areas where they can add. It's just the priority of being – you know, are they looking for a starter in these spots? Are they looking for, you know, some some quality depth backup stuff that could potentially uh, develop into starters into the future? I, it just depends on the position you want to look at. But, I mean, as we've talked about before, I think they need some pass rush help for the future as much as anything. Um, running back would certainly be something they could use to, to add to that mix heading into this year with basically everybody on their roster outside of Mike Davis coming off uh, injuries and um, – you know, certainly finding some help to replenish the secondary. Even though they took four guys in the draft last year at that end of the roster, they could certainly look to try to to replenish there too. Just because you don't know who's going to pop through and really become something for them, and who's still going to, uh, and what you have out of a couple of those guys who didn't get a chance to play. So I think all of those couple of spots are are the the highest priority to me. They're, uh, the Seahawks are notoriously kind of fun around this day. Pete does his draft clues, and they're coy with everybody, and then they don't generally tip a whole lot. In your mind over the last few weeks, do you think there's been, has there been anything said, anything done, anything that's made you sit up and go, huh, I wonder if this means this? Have you gotten any tips from them as to what you think they might be thinking of doing tonight? Not particularly outside of the obvious in trading back. Right, right. Um, you know, that's about that's about the one thing we can pretty well feel like is is a real possibility for them, given the fact they don't have a second and third round pick. And um, being able to add something in those areas would be advantageous to them. So um, outside of that, no, there's not really anything that stood out to me. Um, it was interesting to hear John Steiner say that he feels like they haven't done a good enough job of addressing the quarterback position in the draft and adding to that, that, that mix like they used to do in green Bay when he was there. So you could certainly see them looked at a backup quarterback somewhere throughout the, the seven rounds of the draft as well. If it, if you know, the situation presents itself uh, you know to them, Russell Wilson is the only quarterback they have drafted in their eight quarter in their eight years running the team. And, you know, he comes from a franchise in green Bay that even though they had Aaron Rodgers was drafting Brian Brom and, and Matt Flynn and, you know, um, Graham Harrell and continuing to throw guys that, you know, Brett Hundley now that he's, you know, Schneider didn't do that, but the Packers have continued to add to the, that group since he left. And that's just a philosophy that they had while he was there that he shares. He just hasn't actually gone through and done it. So you could certainly see them looked at a quarterback of it. If the right scenario comes up as well. You know, I think that, how about this scenario? Okay. I'm not going to bore you with the, with the trade chart and Curtis, I'm sure you, you, you you have that up in front of you right now. What if what if you I think this would pan out. I don't know exactly where the location of the pick needed to go, but if you traded down from 
from 18 down into the 20s, 23, 24, 25. I think you could, based on that chart, you could add a, a third round pick. Okay, so what if what if they trade now, which we think they'll do something to acquire another pick in that second and third round, which they don't have right now. If they move down, acquire it, but remain in the first round, but then pick up a third round pick, and then let's say they move Earl Thomas to the Cowboys, if that ESPN report is true, the Cowboys are offering uh, potentially a second round pick, the 50th overall. So then you get yourself the second round pick, you get yourself a third round pick, you remain in the first round, but now you're in the 20s. You know, I, I think at the end of the day, that'd be a, a pretty solid job by this team because they, they, I think they need to find, you know, whoever the best, ta- most talented player is in the first round, they need to get them. I think they've spent too much time in the last few years screwing around and trying to trade down and get all these draft picks and then wasting it and not getting a real talented player. I mean, Bob Condota, I'll reference this all weekend long, did a great story breakdown. Uh, on the on the Sunday paper, and he had the stat that that's that's obvious. Listen, your your talented players, your your Hall of Fame players, the majority of them are in the first round, and that's obvious to everyone. And and at some point, this team, because of the lack of you know overall talent that they have on it now, in terms of young talent, I, I think would be wise at some point to maybe spend a first round pick. They haven't used a first well, round pick where they originally have been since 2011 when they took James Carpenter. Right. To, to flip that argument around, they've been in the playoffs every year. So they've been picking yeah. in the latter stages of the first round throughout most of that. And you know, most people will say that the real true first round talents on a given year are like 15 to 20. So if you're not getting one of those guys anyway, what, it, how much of a difference really is there between when they're picking at 24, 25, 28, and then 31, why, 32? And why spend and, the money and, and, if and you're going to get – yeah, if you're going you're gonna to get less money in yeah, the second round. Exactly. So that would be the, the flip side of that argument and why they, they view that. So Seattle hasn't had a top 20 pick since they took Bruce Irvin, right? Right, yeah. So, I mean, so it, it, we're talking about a little bit of a different threshold potentially – there than than you know just oh well it's a first round pick well not all first round picks are created equal in given drafts so, so some some drafts are deeper than others obviously you look at um you know the draft that that Blaine Gabbert and and Jake Locker were in I can't remember which one it is when when all those quarterbacks went early there was a lot of really good non quarterback talent in that draft if I remember correctly and so you were able to get some of those pieces later on but like I said if Seattle's pick at twenty six twenty seven twenty eight thirty thirty two whatever the case may be there, you know, how much of a threshold difference really is there between the guy that they would take at that spot and the guy that they take at 35? Probably not all that much. So I, I think, and if that's the case, then if you could add more more, more bullets, so to speak, later on in the draft, that's sort of the, the approach that they've taken. Um, but when all when all said and done, you know, they, they've, I think they've spent five first-round draft picks in their tenure running the team. Four of them have come along the line. You know, offensive and defensive line. The, Earl Thomas being the only exception to that. So when they have used those high picks, it's been in the trenches too. So that's something else to keep in mind. And, and clearly, we'll know when when it comes around tonight if there is a guy that they value enough at eighteen, because there is a difference between eighteen and the second round. I mean, we'd all agree on that. That there, there could oh. be. I mean, you never know. It's all crapshoot. But but the idea that hey, here's this guy, and we like him, and we're in the middle of you know whatever you want to call it, rebuild, redo, reload, however you want to re it. Any uh, re, any re you want to pick, let's grab this guy because we we envision him as a as an eight to ten year star 
for this team, and you need star power. It'll be interesting to see if they covet anyone enough uh, after the first 17 players are taken to go ahead and burn that pick, and we'll obviously know by what they do, right? Yeah, of course. I, I Look, I certainly don't expect this guy to be there by any stretch, but let's just do it because it's the absurd hypothetical. If Bradley Chubb is sitting there for them at number 18, mm-hmm. you know, the top defensive end in the draft, a guy who, by all intents and purposes, is viewed extremely highly as a pass rusher, yeah, you know what? I think they'd probably stay and pick the guy. I don't know. You it know? might, so it might it's, be it's a not... reach, Curtis. I'm not sure. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's a circumstance-based decision that they ultimately end up making. There's certainly going to be guys that they feel like they couldn't pass on there because the value is too high. The question is, you know, if, if their board, which they said they've pared down quite a bit, has, say, 12 first-round picks in, in their estimation on the board, and all of those guys are gone by the time they pick at 18, then what's the harm in trading back if you feel like you're going to get the same player and can add those draft picks you don't have in the second and third round. So, um, you know, that's that's why it's tough to gauge what they're going to do on a, uh, you know heading into yeah. a draft day particularly. But, you know, I, I, I would still lean towards without an Earl Thomas trade to replenish some of those draft picks as well, but, but trading down is probably – a pretty high likelihood for them going into that. Well, I mean, I, I've always got, I've gone back and forth on this one, and I think I've just probably reached the point where I, I do believe they're not going to call it a rebuild. I mean, I, I think they are in in a, in a in a in their form of a rebuild. I think they're in it, and I think that they can if they can acquire picks for Earl Thomas, then then do it. You know, I I would hate to see Earl go, but you know, we you may need some players you're building six seven years from now, and, and Earl Thomas is just not going to be a part of this football team six or seven years from now. My number one thing is my my old number one thing all along has been you're going to preach it from day one about a running game, then find yourself a running back. And I I just don't believe they have anyone on their roster, even though my love affair for C.J. Procise, but he can't stay healthy. I'm just not convinced Chris Carson is is the guy. And so I I would love for them to get a running back. I mean, I, I, I joke about the Darius Geist, a uh, cat out of LSU, whether it's him, whether they do end up getting a second-round pick and maybe get Rashad Penny out of San Diego State, someone. Someone that is highly regarded at carrying the ball. Chris Carson was not the case a year ago. The last time they really invested in a running back, it worked out. And Marshawn Lynch, he was a first-round pick that they end up getting in a trade with Buffalo. But Well, the last time they did it was Kristen Michael when well, they that, took him in the second well, round. The second round but I'm talking first-round talent. I think there's a difference between first-round talent and second-round talent, but that's just me. You got something well, you better invest know, in a home run type and a really good football player. Well, I have the flip side of that argument where I, I really don't even care who the running back is. I'm not interested in taking a running back high personally, just because they have the short one of the shortest shelf you know shelf lives of any position in the NFL. Um, the difference you could see between the the delta, I think that there is between a first-round pick at running back and some of the mid-round picks at running back, I don't think is all that significant. I mean, for instance, last year, Leonard Fournette goes number four, and yet the two top running backs in the league a year ago came out of the third round in Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara. And, you know, so you can find those picks later in the draft just as, just as, 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 you know, I I shouldn't say as easily, but they definitely happen where you can get those guys later on. Heck, even look at, you know, Alex Collins should not have made the Seahawks last year, given the information that they had on him leading into that spot. Uh, when they had them make the decision at the end of training camp last year, he, you know, he had the rough first season and had the fumbles in the preseason a year ago. But that's a fifth round pick that then became something for Baltimore. You can find, I, I think, you can find running backs that are plenty talented 
later on in the draft. And whether that's Ronald Jones or uh, Penny, as you mentioned, guys like that, there might not be all that different, all that much difference between a guy you could get in that spot in the first round if they happen to pick there and what those guys ultimately end up being and get a pretty similar output. So um, that's just kind of the way I view it. Um, but, you know, I don't think you need to invest a first-round pick to still get that really talented running back option either. I think you can find those in the middle rounds uh, as well. Folks, you can follow him on uh, Twitter, at Curtis underscore Crabtree. Also find his work up at SportsRadioKJR.com and listen to him uh, not only uh, tonight, uh, but the next three days he'll be all over our draft coverage. All right, buddy, we'll see you there uh, later this afternoon. All right, see you, boys. There he is, uh, Curtis Crabtree. By the way, I've done, up a, a little bit. I've done an extensive search uh, of whether or not you can, uh, whether or not you're allowed by rule to draft a monkey, and I have found nothing that says you can't. So, if they have found a monkey who they think they can teach to play through the whistle and to do the right things and to be a good community citizen, well, someone on the uh, Heritage Distilling text line had, had sent in NFL Rule 14.a.2. You can only draft a Homo sapien. Does that really exist? So, so uh, <laughs> wow, that's somebody who knows the rules. Huh? Uh, well, let's hey. ask. You know what? Who's going to know the answer to that? Who? Our next guest. Okay. The uh, former head coach of your Seattle Seahawks, who was the president and GM. I'm not a, asking home a man who's draft in, a monkey. Yes, we're going to ask him. <laughs> can you draft a monkey? We'll ask Coach Mike Holmgren next. <laughs>